You're listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard, your host, and with me today is Dr. Chris Gonzalez, Associate Professor of Urology, Feinberg School of Medicine, Northwestern University. Thank you, Dr. Gonzalez, for joining us. Thank you. Today we'll be discussing volunteer physicians. Dr. Gonzalez has recently returned from Casablanca as part of a program sponsored by Sister Cities of Chicago, which has had an ongoing relationship with this city. Dr. Gonzalez, can we start by just asking what caused you to become a volunteer physician? I was involved with the National Guard for 10 years uh, as a way to help pay for medical school, and I was fortunate enough to go down with the Army down to uh, a place southern Ecuador. It was a little bit south of Guayaquil, Ecuador, and we were down there for two weeks and just saw the great need for physicians of all types. And, you know, we could provide the, the folks down there with care, but I certainly think it would have been nice to step it up a notch for some of the problems that, you know, that I saw down there. So when I came on staff here at Northwestern, I got together with uh, some of my partners, and we decided that we would put together a grassroots effort to, uh, uh, to, to, to go to other countries and to offer our services on a volunteer basis. What kind of stresses do you undergo on an ongoing basis when you practice in a country like Morocco? Well, there's going to be a lot of stresses. Uh, you know, the stress of, of working in an unfamiliar environment. Uh, we have developed uh, via email a relationship with the physicians, but I think there's, you know, the importance of developing that personal relationship once we meet the physicians, uh, working really well together with the physicians because I think uh, we have a way of doing things, they have a way of doing things, so I think it's very important to look at the uh, political aspect of working well together, which has happened beautifully in all of our trips, and I'm very happy to say. Uh, I think working as a surgeon, working with uh, different equipment that I'm not used to, if I'm in a place that, like Honduras, that's going to be more of a stress because there's more limited resources versus a place like uh, Casablanca, Morocco, where there are better resources and uh, better access to uh, equipment. And all these are the language barriers. So in Casablanca, the patients spoke French and also Arabic, so the doctors always spoke, they spoke perfect English, French, and Arabic, so it was good to have the doctors around the translators, but sometimes uh, in China that was an issue for us uh, as far as uh, Chinese-English translation. So that's, that was another one of the stresses of communication. How would you describe the hospitals in the various countries? Uh, I would say the hospital in, uh, first of all, in Honduras uh, was really not very high quality. Um, I think that uh, there's a lot to be improved upon. However, uh, you know, they're doing the best they can with the resources that they have. In Morocco, it was, uh, in Morocco and China both, uh, obviously it was uh, hospitals that would rival uh, uh, some of the hospitals in, in our country here, although I still think that they still have uh, limited resources compared to what we have here in the United States. But certainly the personnel, very intelligent people, great nursing staff uh, that would rival us here in the United States. How about specialists? I mean, you can't get your patient off a ventilator. Was there somebody there who would step right in and assume that responsibility? Yes, there were. There were people there that uh, they, from the anesthesiologist to the intensive care uh, unit doctors uh, that were there. I didn't, uh, fortunately, didn't have to meet too many intensive care uh, unit doctors on these trips, but uh, I certainly, from what I saw, it certainly seemed like they had the appropriate staff uh, and specialists uh, on an, on an as-needed basis. So you would say all the specialists were represented where you were practicing? In Morocco and China, I would say that was the case. In Honduras, I would say that would not be the case. It was definitely more of a, the hierarchy was a little bit different in Honduras as far as the number of specialists. I think they might have had a general surgeon, uh, a gynecologist, and a urologist. Um, I, I think the general surgeon would do things like neurosurgery, so it was a little more of a simple 
a simpler uh, hierarchy with the physicians there. In Morocco and in China, yes, I, as far as I could tell, it seemed like they had every specialty covered. As far as blood products, did you have any anxiety about them and their availability? In China and in Morocco, no. The physicians assured us no problem with that. In Honduras, uh, we had to make a special arrangement with the Red Cross to have uh, blood available. So fortunately, we only used one unit of blood, and we did approximately about 90 major cases down there. But uh, you know, we had 10 units of blood waiting in case we needed it, and the Red Cross was willing to help with that, which was great. So surgical technique, infection, you would say it meets the standard of the United States? I would say that it does meet the standard. Um, I think that there are some things... The infrastructure, I think, is, is something that probably is not comparable to the United States as far as just the, the quality of the equipment, the quality of the buildings. Uh, but as far as infection, yeah, as far as following sterile technique and prepping patients properly, I didn't see any problem with that. What was the preoperative care like? The preoperative care, I thought, was excellent in each of the countries we went to. Uh, the urologists that we worked with uh, in each country were very high-quality individuals. Uh, we exchanged emails about what types of cases uh, we were going to do. We had films that were sent to us. Uh, they just recently got a CAT scanner in a CT scan uh, uh, unit in Honduras, so we were just looking at old intravenous pilograms for a while there. But in Morocco and China, they told us exactly what the, what the issues and the cases were, very complex cases. So there really weren't too many surprises. We did have a couple people in Honduras that would walk in with some significant problems that we weren't expecting, but we just dealt with it. So, How about the post-operative care? Post-operative care, uh, we stayed around for a couple of days after the last case uh, in order just to, to take a look at our patients. Um, we did communicate via email with each of the urologists about any complications. There were some minor complications, but no major complications. And according to these urologists, they said our patients did well. So hopefully that was the case, and they're not just trying to make us feel good. So, But we were really happy with the quality of care that we did give over there. So, so do these patients then go back to a village environment immediately, or do they stick around and, and can be followed for a while? In Honduras, they would go back to their village. Uh, in China, they would still probably... Uh, be around the medical complex there, uh, depending on what the urologist protocol was for following up. And, you know, certainly we did let them know how we like to follow patients up postoperatively, so we would, uh, you know, give them at least our ideas about catheter management, drain management, and these types of things. And I think they are pretty much on the same page with us. Um, so in China, in a larger city like Casablanca, most of those people were going to live in the city. But in Honduras, they definitely came from the surrounding villages and we even had people coming down from Guatemala to come down and have surgery with us. So Very good. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard, your host, and our guest today is Dr. Chris Gonzalez, and we're talking about volunteer physicians. You know, in the United States, a great deal of time has been spent about autonomy of the patient. Did you find yourself slipping back into a more paternalistic role in these countries? You know, we at first we did. We we're very careful that the, the host urologists were the ones that did the consent. Uh, we even asked about uh, litigation, which, you know, isn't is anything like it is here in the United States, but that was all covered by the agreement with the hospital and the urologist, and the governments were involved in all three cases where it went down. So that those situations were covered. Um, I think that because there's a language barrier and you don't get to actually 
communicate with the patient if they're speaking Arabic or Chinese. There may be more of a feeling of a paternalistic feeling, but I think after we started working, uh, it, for me at least, it came down to these patients are exactly the same types of people that we work with here in the United States, and at least that's the way we felt about it. So, And you felt comfortable in the consent process, even though you, the surgeon, wasn't actually getting the consent. Um, I did, and the reason I did is because the urologist would scrub with us on the case uh, that was involved, and we would meet all the patients beforehand. And the translator, we would go over the case beforehand of exactly what we're going to do, and we were there to answer questions, talk about the risks, the benefits, what's involved postoperatively. So we went, we were very thorough about that, and that was one thing that we did not want to compromise is because we're going to another country that we're just going to go down and operate and not think about the exact issues that you're bringing up here. So we were very careful to see the patients round on the next day a couple times a day and also to make sure they got their questions answered and the chance that they got to see our face, too. And the translators had a real knowledge of medical terminology? Um, I would say they had done this before with medical terminology in China. Uh, the hospital appointed uh, somebody who would speak in English and, and translate for Chinese. In Morocco with sister cities, uh, the urologist spoke pretty good English, so that usually was not an issue uh, as far as that goes. And in Honduras, our urologist, he spoke uh, Portuguese, Spanish, and English fluently. So um, it just was with the patients and also with the nursing staff and we're scrubbed asking for instruments where it might get a little bit difficult. So that's how we overcame the language barrier issues. Did you have any other experiences in particular as far as taking care of children? that were unique? You know, we, we went down with a pediatric urologist to Honduras, and we did see a, a young girl with who was a pseudo-hermaphrodite. So because of the hormone reaction, she basically, her clitoris in the area was like a glands penis. So we did basically a clitoroplasty for her. And she had such an issue with body impression, body image, as did her family, that after we, we repaired uh, this and took care of this situation, I've never seen anybody more happy in my entire life. Um, so I think that that was something with the help of our pediatric urologist, I think that was a really a fantastic experience. As a, as a segue into that, did you see any unique things or difficult things as far as ethnicity? You know, our country has always been a melting pot of various people who have made our country what it is. But physicians continue to have to adapt in the United States to continual changes in our country's ethnicity. Did you find this an issue? Well, I think there's always going to be a little bit of, when you first, when we would meet uh, patients from Honduras, Morocco, or, or China, you know, we're, you know, we're, we look different, we speak differently, and, you know, I think there's always going to be a certain level of, you know, the unknown when you first meet them. But I think, you know, having and using, utilizing the urologists that we work with so well to introduce us, you know, a smile goes a long way in these situations, and also talking a little bit about us, what we're going to do to help, how we're going to work together to help them. I think that that goes a long way, but certainly at the beginning that is an issue. But I think having the relationships that we establish before we get there and having these good, solid relationships is really what gets us through this. So I don't think that's going to be an issue, in, at least in the situation um, uh, that we would uh, participate in. That brings up an interesting point that you've touched on several times, and that is the whole concept of relationships that you've established. How would you describe the, the type of work you're doing from a much larger organization such as Doctors Without Borders? I don't know much about how Doctors uh, Without Borders works, but I do know that 
the way I look at our situation is it's a grassroots effort. So it's something that we do. There's no name associated with it. Um, we just do it because we want to do it. We've got fantastic patients that uh, would provide us the funds to take down equipment, to bring down residents or medical students for teaching uh, purposes uh, and educational purposes and also to help us with the care. I would say, though, that uh, I think developing a relationship with the urologist is going to go a long way as far as our segue to the community. Because we are different, because we don't live there, because we are an unknown to that community of patients, having a good relationship with another one of the physicians that they do trust to bring us in, to meet them, to know that it's going to be okay, I think that's very important. And frankly, I don't know, uh, I would be very uncomfortable in a situation where I wouldn't have that type of relationship with a host physician. Um, I wouldn't feel comfortable operating on somebody who didn't have a chance to ask all their questions, who didn't have a chance to meet me, who didn't have a chance to at least basically, you know, see us for who we are and, and, and you know, get to little, you know, know a little bit about us. So I think the way we have worked and the way we've kind of just fallen together, I think, has been very fortunate. Well, the work your group is doing is certainly very impressive and, and to be admired. I want to thank Dr. Chris Gonzalez, who's been our guest, and we have been discussing volunteer physicians. I'm Dr. Maurice Picker. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on Reach MDXM 233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.